0: 2020 was a difficult year, and its echoes can still be heard in voices all around us. Hi, I'm Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. It seems like everyone is telling us how we ought to think, act, talk, and overall just live. It's time to turn our attention to the one who created us. It's time to hear what God has to say about how we should live and what we should be. In this series, we will unpack five truths that, if lived out, can change our lives in powerful ways. We hope you enjoy. When I was a kid, I used to enjoy sitting on our front room floor and and grabbing an encyclopedia out of the bookcase. Now I realize that as I said the word encyclopedia, that that if you're probably under 40 years old, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay? But we used to have a set of encyclopedias that would sit in our front room, and that was kind of where you found all your information. And and so this was pre-computers, this was pre-smartphone if you wanted to look something up, you had to go to the encyclopedia. And, and actually, I think back then the encyclopedias were kind of a status symbol. Like like the big encyclopedia company, if you were like cool and rich and, and really doing well, you had Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, we never had Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, I don't even remember the name of, of our encyclopedias, but I used to just love pulling them off the shelf and, and reading and learning different facts and And as I was looking at stuff for this sermon, I found this old 1913 advertisement for Encyclopedia Britannica. And it said on it, when in doubt, look it up. And then underneath that it said, the sum of human knowledge. Like everything you could know was found in these encyclopedias. Well, the reality is that as of right now, never in the course of human history have people had so much information at their disposal. If you have a smartphone. In your, in your pocket or in your purse, you have more information. You have access to thousands of libraries worth of information. Like if you want to know who was the president in 1834, now I don't know why you would want to know that, but if you want to know that, no reason to argue with somebody about it. Just pull out your phone, type it in there. It was Andrew Jackson. Do You want to know how to fix something on your car. Now, most people take their car to a mechanic. I take my car to a mechanic. But a lot of people, if you want to know how to fix something, man, you just pull your phone out, you go to YouTube, you type something in, boom, there's a video on how to do it. Matter of fact, a couple years ago, we had a Toyota Prius that had a headlight that was out. And so I went to YouTube, and I pulled up this video of this guy. He was holding his phone in one hand because he was recording himself. And with his one other hand, he reached his hand down into the Prius. Now, again, he's recording this with the one hand, doing it with the other hand. He reaches his hand down into the Prius, gets the old headlight out, puts the new one in, boom, bang, just like that, super easy. I'm like, I watch this video, I think I can do it. I go out to my Prius, I open the hood of the car up, I look down inside there, my hand isn't going to fit in that tiny little hole. The guy who did this video must have had the hands of like a five-year-old girl. I have no idea how he did this, so I did what any respectable person would do. I took it to the mechanic and paid the $200 to have my light changed. But there was another time when my oven wasn't working right. There was a burner inside the oven that needed to be replaced. And I was like, man, I, I had the burner. I think like my dad had picked up the burner. And, and I'm looking at the oven and I- I'm looking inside of it and I'm realizing I'm going to have to take like 30 screws out in order to get to where this burner is to have access to it. And I'm just questioning whether this is a very wise decision, you know, and I'm looking at it and there's, I'm not kidding you, there was like 30 screws and I'm like, am I going to be able to get them out? Am I going to be able to get them back in? Oh no. And then someone said, hey, look on YouTube. Sure enough, I go to YouTube and it's talking about changing this, the, the under burner on your stove. And it says, hey, if you have a stove with a drawer underneath there or an oven underneath it, just pull that drawer out and you have access to that burner. Sure enough, Instead of having to take out 30 screws, all I had to do was pull out this drawer that we used as storage for our pans, and boom, right there, I had access to, to what I needed to change. And so it was amazing, but it's amazing how much information we have at the tip of our fingers. Like, like when I grew up, we used to argue about things, and people still like to argue about things, but with smartphones and computers, no one never needs to argue about facts If you need to know who won something or or how much something costs or whatever, you can just look that up. Families, feel free to still argue about opinions, but there isn't any reason to argue about facts because you can look those up. But we're surrounded by so much information now. And, And so the problem with that, though, is this. We have so much information at our hands, so much access to information. The problem is, not everything you see is going to agree with each other. And the other problem is quite often there are people that are way more intelligent than me that are arguing about something and they have different views. And they're, tell- they're saying something, sounds very intelligent, I'm hearing them, and I'm like, boy, I don't know who to listen to because they both are way smarter than me. You know, the news channels, if you watch our news channels, they're telling you something. If you go on social media, they're telling you something. If you listen to people around you, they're always trying to tell you something. And what I want to encourage us with today is this. is You know what? We need to learn to shut down those voices in our life. We need to learn to shut down those voices in our lives, and we need to hear what God is trying to tell us. We have so much information. And you know, the truth is, I don't care what Fox News or CNN has to say. I want to know what does God's word have to say about it. I, I don't care what people put on Twitter. I don't care what people put on Facebook. I want to know what God's word says about whatever it is we're talking about. I don't even care about what the people that are closest to you are saying, what the people closest to me are saying about something. What really matters is this, what does God's Word have to say about it? You know, last week, Pastor Rob encouraged us to memorize uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, where it says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And then he also wanted us to memorize verse 14, but maybe he'll mention that this week. Verse 14 just says, Do everything in love. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. So Pastor Rob in his sermon last week talked about what we need to do to be on our guard. And today we're going to take a look at what it means to stand firm in our faith. And so there's a verse actually before the one that Pastor Rob had us memorize that I wanted to draw our attention to for just a moment because so in chapter 16 where that verse is, Paul is kind of wrapping up his letter and he's sharing a bunch of personal things. He's kind of going all over the place sharing things. And he shares that verse, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, he shares something very, very similar to the verse we memorized. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Stand firm, let nothing move you. Like you are standing there solid. Do not let anything move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What is Paul telling us? This is a, he's telling us twice within two chapters using similar words. What is he saying? He's telling you, you know what? Our Christian life may be difficult. We may face challenges. It, it, it may be difficult. But the end goal is worth the struggle. And how do we get there successfully? How do we reach the end successful? How do we get before the Lord? And he says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. He's saying, listen, stand firm, let nothing move you. Stand firm, let nothing move you. And then he says, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord and remember that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So the question for us today is this, how do you and I stand firm in the faith? He tells us that in 58 of chapter 15. He tells us that in chapter chapter 16, verse 13. How do you and I stand firm in the faith? And I'll be honest with you, I'm a simple man, so our sermon today is very simple because the first way that we do that is, you know, we need to know Scripture. We need to know Scripture. Last week, as Pastor Rob was sharing, one of the verses that he kind of briefly talked about was in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus is being tempted by the devil. And if you remember, every time the devil tempts Jesus, Jesus responds by saying, it is written. Jesus responds to the temptation By quoting scripture. And as a matter of fact, if you have your Bible there, I want us to look at this once again, because there's something really important that I want you to notice in here. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. says, And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I can't read this without ever saying biggest understatement in the Bible. He was hungry after not eating for 40 days. The tempter came to him and said, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms in the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Jesus fought temptation with the devil with scripture and this is such a key for us today if we are going to stand firm in our faith is that we need to know scripture if we're going to stand firm in the faith if we're going to have nothing move us then we better make sure that we are standing on solid ground scriptures knowing the scriptures is what keeps us standing on solid ground we need to know it so we can stand firm because if you're following along, and I don't know if you've noticed this, and all the times you read the temptations of Jesus there, yes, three times Jesus says it is written. But one of the things to me that's the most disturbing in this setting is this. If you look at temptation number two, Jesus isn't the only one that knows Scripture. Jesus isn't the only one that says, for it is written. Because the devil himself says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. The devil is quoting from Psalm chapter 91. And so in his attempt, to tempt, is in his attempt at tempting Jesus, the devil himself is quoting Scripture. He's quoting Scripture accurately. And I would say that he's even quoting Scripture truthfully. And so the reality is, you know what, we really need to know Scripture because the devil was trying to use Scripture against Jesus. Well, Jesus wasn't dumb enough to fall for that. But I'm not convinced that I'm not dumb enough to fall for that. And I don't want to speak for any of you, but, well, let me just say, you aren't Jesus either. And so one of the things that we need to understand is, you know, just because someone can point to a verse in the Bible, it doesn't make what they are saying the truth. Because Bible verses can be taken out of context. They can be twisted to say what they were never intended to say. And so before we get to our main scripture for the day, there's one more verse that I want us to look at. One more small verse, and it's in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, Paul has been preaching the gospel. He's been going from city to city. And so in Acts chapter 17, he's been going from Th- to Thessalonica, to Berea, and to Athens. He's traveling around the world, preaching the gospel. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says this. It says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received... Now they were of more noble character. Why were they of more noble character? For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. You know, this is a, such a small verse, and it'd be so easy for us to miss what it's saying in here, but it tells us something that is so important. Paul is preaching to these people, and it tells me that these people were hearing Paul's sermon with a critical ear, okay? Now, let me explain to you what I mean by critical ear, because some of you are very good at having a critical ear. That sermon was too long, that sermon was too this, too that. Not that kind of critical ear. Not where they want to criticize Paul. But they had a critical ear because they were making sure that what Paul was saying was in line with Scripture. They weren't just blindly listening to what Paul was saying and accepting what he said. They were comparing his words to what they knew God's Word had to say. And this is so important for us today as we try to know Scripture because it's so hard knowing what to believe these days because so many people are saying so many things. The Bereans are giving us a pattern that we ought to be following today. They're listening to Paul, and then they're comparing it to Scripture. You know, you should never believe somebody just because they're a preacher and they're standing in front of you and saying something. Because just because a preacher is on television, it doesn't mean that they're speaking the truth of God's Word. Just because a preacher is popular, it doesn't mean that they're preaching the truth of God's Word. Just because a preacher is enjoyable to listen to, it doesn't mean that they're preaching the truth of God's Word. You know, I was thinking about this as I preached this sermon, as I wrote this sermon. You know, I'm not ever going to knowingly tell you something that is wrong. But it doesn't mean that everything I say is right. You need to be checking what I'm saying against Scripture to make sure what I'm saying is correct. You know, I don't believe Pastor Rob would ever knowingly deceive anybody. I don't think Pastor Rob would ever knowingly say something that is incorrect But that doesn't mean that everything he says is right. And so your job and my job is to be like those Bereans, to be checking what is being said. We're to be listening with critical ears. And again, not to criticize, but so we can know what the truth is. We need to be comparing what is coming from the preacher's mouth, from the Bible study teacher's mouth, from any kind of leader's mouth. We need to be comparing that to what we know is said in Scripture. And to be clear, let me just say this. If I ever say something that contradicts what the Bible says, guess what? I am wrong, and God's word is the truth. Okay. If Pastor Rob ever says something that contradicts God's word, Pastor Rob is wrong, and God's word is the truth. If we're going to stand firm in the faith, if we're going to stand firm and let nothing move us, then we need to be like those Bereans in Acts chapter 17. We need to know Scripture. But it isn't enough just to know Scripture. The second thing I want you to think about is this. Is, and this may sound very simple, but it's much harder to do. Not only do we need to know Scripture, but we need to obey Scripture. Okay? Not only do we need to know Scripture, but we need to obey Scripture. Uh, the, past, the passage that Pastor Rob gave me to preach on today, the, the main one we're going to look at right now, is, is a well-known verse. It's a verse that we all know. Um, But I want you to think about it with fresh eyes today. In Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we're going to see some challenges to some people's convictions here in Daniel chapter 3. In in verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, This is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Do you see a problem here for any good Jew that is listening to what they're being told? Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This is the challenge to the convictions of three guys that we all know: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why is it a challenge to their convictions? Because they know that they aren't supposed to be bowing down to anything other than God. They know that Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 6, in the Ten Commandments says, You shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath, or on the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. What they are being told to do in Daniel chapter 3 is unacceptable to them because they know what God has already said. They know that God has said that that is not something that they are allowed to do. And so this is a challenge to their convictions. And and as we know the story, they are more concerned with pleasing God than they are with pleasing Nebuchadnezzar. And so they stood firm in their convictions. In verse 8, it says, At this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree. That everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your mighty hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So not only would they not bow down to this idol, but when they are questioned about it, they won't back down. I mean, imagine this. This isn't just like some, somebody saying this. This is the king. This is the guy in charge who is challenging them in their convictions. And I admire their courage and their strength because they aren't afraid. They know what the consequences are, and yet they are going to stand firm in their convictions. They are not going to let anything move them. They were challenged, and they wouldn't back down. They were challenged, and they wouldn't back down. There's a lesson for us. In this, if you read Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 26, you know what happens. Nebuchadnezzar gets angry, he orders the furnace to be to be heated up even hotter. They get tossed into the furnace, but what happens? Nothing happens to the three of them. As a matter of fact, as they're down in the fire, not being burned up they notice that there's a fourth person down in the fire with them. And, and over the years, people have said all kinds of things. They think that's Jesus down in the fire with them or an angel of God down in the fire with them. I don't know. I just know that it's amazing because they are standing up for what they know is right. They're standing firm. They're not letting anything move them. And they're saying, listen, even if you do the worst to us, we aren't backing down. It doesn't matter. But our God can save us. And so it looked bad for them. And yet God came through. And so then if you read the rest of the story in Daniel chapter 3, verses 27 through 30, it says this, And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. Then they saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. You see what's happening here? The result of them standing firm and letting nothing move them is that God is being glorified. God is is being lifted up. King Nebuchadnezzar, I think, is realizing the mistake that he has made, and he is now giving honor to the one true God. Because then he says, Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You know what? We don't have any promises that God is going to save us from the furnace in our lives. But our job is still to stand firm, let nothing move us, and to hold to our convictions, to hold what we know Scripture is saying. Before I close with a couple of words of just simple application for our lesson today, there's one more scripture that I want us to think about that I think is relevant. In James chapter 1, verse 22, this is a verse that I memorized a long time ago, all the way back, I think, when I was in high school. But it says, James 1, says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. You know, if we're going to stand firm in the faith, we need to know scriptures, but we also need to be obedient to us. And this verse is telling us that, hey, you know what? If you know what the word says and you're not being obedient, you are deceiving yourself. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew what scripture said, and they knew what they were being asked to do, and they knew it was something that God forbid them to do. But just knowing the facts of that weren't enough. What they needed to do was follow that knowledge With obedience, you know we can think we're, we're doing great things by learning God's word and memorizing God's word and doing stuff, but if we're not obeying it, we're deceiving ourselves. We need to know it, and then we need to do it. So, what's the application for us today? Is we're trying to stand firm in our faith, knowing Scripture and obeying Scripture. The first thing is this, and I feel like I say this every time I preach, but you know what? We need to commit to spending time in God's word each and every day. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, and then 105 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then verse five, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. God's Word is there to guide us. God's Word is there to be that light for our path in darkness to show us the way that we should live. And so I would encourage you to spend time in God's Word each day. I don't care how long. I don't care how you do it. There's a million different ways you can read God's Word. If you have the YouVersion app on your, on your phone, there's a million different reading plans that you can do. I don't care what you do. Just spend some time in God's Word each day. If you don't know where to start and you don't know what to do, I would say start in the New Testament. Start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read about the life of Jesus. We need to spend time in God's Word each day. I would encourage you to spend time in God's Word each day. Secondly, and this goes right along with that, I would encourage you to look for opportunities to grow in your knowledge of God's Word. You know, the book of Acts tells us that the the early church was meeting in the temple courts daily. They were constantly meeting. They were constantly learning. And, you know, I'd encourage you to get involved as well, to get involved in a small group, whether it's Wednesday night or Sunday morning, or I don't even care when your small group meets. Find some people. Get together to study God's Word. You know, I write a life group lesson each week for our Wednesday night life groups. But uh, Tracy Cordell puts that lesson on Version. And so if you have a group of people that want to meet for a Bible study that's related to the last week's sermon, you could find that lesson on YouVersion each week. Meet whenever you can, wherever you can. But be involved in a small group to help you to grow. And it's in those small groups that we find more information, we find encouragement, we find support, and we find the accountability that we all need. Uh, The other thing I'd encourage you to do is at our church, we offer you a a resource called Right Now Media. And Right Now Media is filled with all kinds of incredible uh, Bible study helps, uh, topical videos for you to listen. If you've got children, there's incredible children's videos on there. I, I was just telling someone today, um, there's this, there's a video that I've put on our page, the West Valley Christian Church page under the Bible called Read the Scriptures. And it's like an eight to 10 minute video uh, that explains the background of each book of the Bible. And it kind of has a poster that goes with it. It's really, really great. And I strongly recommend that. And, and so right now, media is something you can get. Uh, just by calling into the office and asking Cynthia or Jackie about that. Uh, The third thing I would encourage you to do is is something I've already said, but I want to challenge you to allow God's Word to change you and to be obedient to it. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You know, that verse compares the Bible, compares God's word to a sword. And when I think of what that means in my life is that sword is more like a scalpel. That when I'm spending time in God's word, when I'm spending time trying to be obedient to God's word, God's word is like a scalpel that is cutting stuff out of my life. Cutting stuff out of my life that is infecting me and causing me to be unhealthy. It helps bring us back to health when we allow it to do its job. You know, I started today's message by talking about how much information that we all have at our fingertips today. We have so much information. We have so many people trying to speak into our lives. And so my final encouragement would be to turn all those things off and to get into God's word and allow God to be the one that speaks to us, to allow him to speak with his voice so we can hear what he wants to say for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for Uh, Just the examples we have of people in your word that stood strong, that they were standing firm, and they didn't let anything move them. I think of Paul in the book of Acts in chapters 24, 25, and 26. And even as he's in the midst of uh, of rulers that could could change his life and ruin his life, he was still there trying to preach the gospel and to try to win them over. Lord, I pray for, for each person that's hearing this today, Lord, that they would turn off everything else, turn off all the noise. And be listening to your voice. To be listening to your word. That they would not only know your scriptures, but that they would be obedient to them as well. Lord, help us as we try to stand firm. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.